This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Welcome to Wednesday night and Halftime Adjustments. I'm Alvy Oxenrider, and this is your Steelers playoff edition here on WPXI Now. I'm joined, of course, by Dan Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. Dan, how you holding up? We're into 2021. We're ready for hockey to start, but more immediately, we're ready for the Steelers in the playoffs. And we're still waiting for 2020 to end, right? Isn't that kind of it? <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about it. The, the problems of 2020, the issues, the challenges have all carried over into 2021. Uh, you know, the COVID has uh, reared its ugly head with, uh, with the headlines this week and the Cleveland Browns and all of that. But let's talk about the Steelers first and the optimal view of, of the Steelers as they head into the uh, playoffs. Um, I, I think, despite the fact that they lost four of their five uh, games to finish the season, they're going to they're gonna feel some confidence going into this game on Sunday night. You know, you'd hope so. Uh, I, I look at that Indianapolis game as the one that you got to circle for everything. You mentioned four out of five games. Um, at the same time, if that Indianapolis game, if everything that the Steelers had done well had come in the first half rather than the second half, I'd feel so very differently about it. As it was, Everything about that second half felt like breaking through, like punching through a wall, like, oh, yeah, this is how you throw the football downfield. And look, we can actually do it. And as a result, all of their options opened up as a team. Uh, and I don't mean just offense when I say that, because also now you've got to see the defense, what it's like when it's not on the field for 100 snaps per half. Um, that was a big, big moment for this team. Can they have sustained that somehow getting through the weird Cleveland week? I mean, that loss obviously meant less than nothing. Um, can they have sustained that without the offense having been together for a couple of weeks, meaning, you know, it wasn't Mason Rudolph on the field or a bunch of other replacements. We'll see. Uh, they're going to end up going into this game the rustier group, if you will, uh, than, than Cleveland, because a lot of these guys did sit out. Uh, but at the same time, man, I mean, the Browns defense and everything else, it, it's, I, I do think the Steelers are going to find a way uh, to rediscover some of that Indianapolis second half magic. I really do. All right. Because as you were talking, I was thinking about the Steelers and if you want, you can look at a lot of uh, weaknesses, whether it's the running game or whether it's the fact that they're playing without a, a couple of key players on defense or um, when when Ben was in there and you take away the half that you talked about, the inability to, or the reluctance to throw downfield, whatever it is. Um, playoff experience is thin. Uh, you know, only one receiver, Juju, has any playoff experience. There's a lot of things you can say, well, this, this but – on top of that, superseding that is the fact that this is a team that was 11-0. And despite the fact that they lost four of their final five games, you can justify each loss if, if you're into that type of thing. I think the Steelers, uh, maybe with that one half against Indianapolis under their belt, 
they they can go into this game with a little bit of swagger. I, I think that uh, they found out something about themselves in that finale against Cleveland. Uh, I, the heavy favorite in this game, obviously Cleveland's decimated by uh, by COVID. I think the Steelers uh, maybe could pick up and get some traction as the playoffs begin. Yeah, I mean they're they're to me, and they have been for several weeks now, including when they were still eleven and zero, and even back to ten and zero and nine and zero. This team is a one-issue candidate. If this team can throw the ball downfield, this team is a contender to win the Super Bowl. I don't think it's more complicated than that because we've seen the other elements in play. Uh, Almost every element you'd want on defense. We've seen that they can run eh, somewhat when they can throw downfield. Uh, they've done that at times. Remember early in the season, they were actually running pretty effectively when they needed to kill the clock at the end of games. Why? Because they didn't have the safeties eating lunch with them up at the line of scrimmage. Right, right. This is a team that's a one-issue candidate. If they can get back to that, the way they did in the second half of Indianapolis, and by the way, the same way they just did in Cleveland. Uh, you know, I, I know the score was what it was, but again, it didn't matter. What did matter was that Mason Rudolph and those wide receivers were able to make plays downfield against a team that does not have a very good secondary. Um, that matters to me more than anything else. If the Steelers can do that, plain and simple, they not only win this game, but they set themselves up for a nice playoff run. Yeah, I think uh, it's worth uh, repeating, as we've said several times throughout the season, you don't have to win the Super Bowl. You don't have to be the best team in football. You just have to be the best team in football when it counts. Uh, look yeah. at the Steelers of Super Bowl 40. They, they they won their last four regular season games, and they went on a roll into the playoffs as a wild card, and they won all those games away from home. Um, if you can get hot at the right time, and if you can stay healthy, then, you know that, that those are big ifs, but if that happens – that's how you crown a Super Bowl champion. It's yeah, not always the if, team that if, you think will win in October and November. Yeah, and right. And, and I, I agree completely. And if you think about what made this team hot or whatever you would call a team that's 11 and 0, I mean, that's really, really hot. Um, especially when they won games that they shouldn't have won. It was that defense. It was that special quality of that pass rush. So Bud Dupree goes down and we all worry about the defense and rightly so. And then Alex Highsmith comes along and all he's doing, all he is making plays. You know, I think they're, they just need to throw the ball downfield. Albie, this isn't more complicated right. than that. All right. When we come back, thanks Dan. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Browns. How good are they? How bad are they? Are they overrated? Are they underrated? What exactly uh, is the team that the Steelers are facing on Sunday night? When we return with Dan on halftime adjustments. Back on Halftime Adjustments, Albie with Dan, and we're talking about the Steelers, and we'll continue the conversation into the game on Sunday night against the Cleveland Browns. The Steelers haven't uh, – well, they, they the Browns haven't been to the playoffs in 18 years, and it had just so happened uh, that's when the Steelers knocked them out the last time they were there. Dan, the view from the outside is the Browns made the playoffs. They made great strides, you know, on and on and on. Um, but if you, you mean the view close, from up the, 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 yeah. the view from up the turnpike. Okay. Well, yeah. Clear. Right. Yeah. The view and, and from, from outsiders that might not be paying attention, they happen to 
to uh, look on their phone one day and they say, oh, the, the Browns are in the playoffs. They must have had one of those years. Maybe they've brought it all together. But a closer look at this team uh, reveals what they aren't, what they are not. Uh, and, and that is a serious contender, especially uh, with all the turmoil they've had with COVID-19 this past week. Your thoughts on that? Well, the, the first thing I'll say is that the Browns have a couple of uh, legitimate elite talents they have when everybody's healthy they have Nick Chubb on offense who is in my mind one of the top two or three running backs in the NFL you can make a really compelling argument that he might be the best when he's going here and that's coming from somebody who believes very strongly in Derrick Henry in that regard Um, and on the other side of the football when he's well uh, setting aside his you know personal malfeasance is miles garrett is that so you have you have that but they're not in an optimal circumstance garrett is not himself uh, ever since he had his own issue with covid he's constantly needing oxygen he can't stay on the field he was not an effective pass rusher the other day in cleveland i look at the rest of this team and i see a couple of decent pieces you know jarvis landry is obviously a good nfl receiver Kareem Hunt's a really terrific number two running back, but I'm running out here, Albie. Baker Mayfield is not a significant NFL starting quarterback. He's just not. I'm not saying that because he does commercials or whatever else seems to rattle people. He's just not that. You saw his performance Sunday with this season on the line, and everybody's hailing him as some big hero because, you know, he ran for up there because he's he ran for a first down against the Steelers practice squad to clinch the game. And it's like, it's unbelievable to me. I mean, I I get it on one hand because we lived through that here with the 2013 Pirates when they broke through and everybody was like, I mean, that was at least a good baseball team. Um, They didn't win the World Series, but they ended up a couple of years later going on to 98 wins. There was a legitimacy to that group. You know, Andrew McCutcheon was an MVP. This is not that. The Browns have two meaningful wins all year long, like where you just said, whoa, okay, that's that's impressive. That was when they beat Tennessee. And then very early in the year, when they still had Odell Beckham, they beat Indianapolis. Other than that, they've beaten nothing and nobody. And yes, I'm including the Steelers practice squad this past Sunday. So there's there's not, there isn't that much there. Uh, I, I really think that they're they're lucky to be in the playoffs, uh, that they've got the expanded playoffs, that they had the schedule that they did, uh, and I'm not impressed with them at all. I think the Steelers, if they advance, are going to be a deserved underdog to Buffalo, should obviously the Bills advance. So I'm not saying this is some kind of homer and yay team and whatever else here. I just don't see much of anything that's a threat from the Cleveland Browns. And it's tough to disagree with anything you just said, but but let me ask you this. The Browns are in the playoffs. They will play the game Sunday night, we think. Um, you know, it, it's Oh, it's they'll there. play it, Albie. They'll what, play it. <laughs> what, what, what should the Steelers be concerned with? Because I hear what you're saying, and I, and I don't disagree with any of it. But you, 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 you sometimes can't it, – it's, it's, it's not advised – advisable to go into a game thinking this is not a good team 
I mean, clearly the Browns are capable of beating the Steelers. Um, what has to happen for that to happen? Uh, do you see any scenario where the Browns could rise up? Yes, I, I do see one. And here goes the broken record again. And that's if they somehow keep the Steelers uh, from making the passes that they want to make, particularly downfield. Uh, they did not show that capability on Sunday, and that was against the Steelers' um, backup quarterback, who played well. I'm not sitting here knocking Mason Rudolph. Mason had a really, really good game, I thought. But they also didn't make plays against their wide receivers. In fact, I felt like the Steelers' wide receivers, including Chase Claypool, who got a lot of praise, uh, left some plays on the field. You know, Chase Claypool had five catches for 101 yards, but he was targeted 11 times. There were six other balls out there uh, for him. I, I think that there's more there for the Steelers' offense. If the Browns can pull that off somehow, and this with Garrett not being what he needs to be. This with them now having lost Olivier, his bookend edge rusher uh, on the other side uh, is gone now with the Achilles injury. I don't know where the Browns will mount a pass rush. I really don't. I, I don't know where they're going to get a pass rush from unless somehow they can let Miles Garrett take a tank of oxygen with him out onto the field Sunday. Um, trying to figure out how the Browns win this is, is a hard one. It really is. I mean, they would have, they would need to have, let's here, I'll try one. How about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just go ballistic. They become unstoppable as a running duo and they chew up the clock. And then when Cleveland's defense takes the field, they make a couple of interceptions or something there. How's that? Uh, well, thank you for providing that. But for clarification, <laughs> Dan doesn't think it's going to happen. Uh, in, in, he in does not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we're back to talk about the Penguins as they get set to start their season. Uh, some of the key variables for the Pens. Remember, their opener is a week from uh, tonight, Wednesday night, uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers on the road. All right. Back with more of halftime adjustments after this. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. The Penguins, yeah, they're working their way through camp, and the opener is next Wednesday in Philadelphia. Dan, it's going to be a short season. The Penguins are in a challenging division. I think everybody agrees. Uh, but to see hockey starting up is very positive. It's going to be a shortened season, 56 games. I think everybody can agree that it's, it's good to see hockey coming back. It's good. Uh, it's not going to be good enough not around here if the Penguins don't perform up to their capabilities. Um, this is a, a, a city and a fan base that rightly has its expectations set reasonably high, I would say. I don't know that people are going into this season thinking the Penguins are going to be, you know, some superstar contention team uh, in the NHL the way they've been in other years. But I do think that there's an expectation that, Absolutely, the playoff streak should continue to get to 15 years, the longest in professional sports uh, active right now. Uh, they have a lot of talent. Albie, I was over there yesterday at PPG Paints Arena, and I had a lot of preconceived notions about things that I wanted to see over there. Young guys, let's see an impression uh, from a Sam Lafferty, from Samuel Poulin, uh, you know, from – 
one of these younger college kids that they just picked up, Josh Maniscalco and, and, and Cam Lee and guys like that. You know what I ended up watching instead? I ended up watching Sidney Crosby make great passes to Jake Gensel. And Jake Gensel flying around looking a lot more comfortable than he has in more than a year. Uh, way more comfortable than he looked this past summer uh, and trying to come back from that shoulder injury. I watched the same guys still looking like very much the best players on the team. And I thought to myself, more than anything, this is still a pretty good hockey team. You know, I don't know if they're great, uh, but I think there's still a lot there. And I think there's enough youth and upside with a couple of key guys in Tristan Jari and John Marino that if they can elevate their ceilings, now you maybe do have something that's a little bit special. All right, as as camp be, uh, as, as camp and the season, you know, season's set to begin anyway. Um, Kasperi Kapanen, you know, had some visa problems, uh, stuck in Finland uh, at least for the time being. Uh, a delay in getting here. Uh, talk about what could be that top line, and uh, you know, again, in a shortened season, they're going to look for chemistry among different lines. They're going to, you know. Uh, whether you think the strength is going to come from their top six or whether you think the strength is going to come from their defense. I mean, we know what the Penguins have they, 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 and what they would like to have and what they need to have in that new division. Um, just talk about what's important, especially in these early days of the season. They play some key, uh, some key games uh, early on. Well, the key thing early on, and here's the most mundane answer possible, uh, is to win games. It is a short schedule. This is not like a typical NHL season and eh, it's October. We'll get around to it. We'll start playing better in November. If you fall behind the pack and one or two of these teams in the East division is capable of getting really, really hot early on. And then you're going to be having a, a situation where it's six teams battling for two playoff spots and it's going to be tough. Uh, I think you need to go into Philadelphia and come out of there with three out of four points. I really do. I know, and I know that's not going to be easy. The Flyers are a playoff team as well. Uh, they have their own young talent. They obviously have Carter Hart and that. And after that comes the Capitals, then four against the Rangers, who might have the most young talent of anybody, not just in the division, but in the National Hockey League with what they've been able to pull off in the draft the last couple of years. Uh, there's, it, it, it's going to be steep. More than anything, what they need to do within that is find their legs. Um, Albie, this practice and this scrimmage that I covered, I mean, it's it's not just going to be Pittsburgh. It's going to be all 31 NHL teams that people are going to be making that face that I just made when you watch <laughs> these, these things because it is not pretty. Um, they're – they're having a rough time. It, it's, not, it's not that they came in out of shape or anything like that. Individually, you come in shape, but speed in hockey is a team thing. It's how fast do you think the game? How fast do you pass the puck? Uh, Mike Sullivan made that point really emphatically after uh, one of these practices this week where he said it's, it's, you know, nothing on the ice moves faster than the puck does. There's nothing of the kind happening, and they've only got a handful of practices and days left be between now and the Flyers opener, you know, that's a week from today, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. But that's, yeah. that's, that's what we're heading into. Uh, they cannot afford to start slow. 
And again, I think that applies to every team in the NHL, but especially in this combative East division. Yeah. And, and a lot of interesting things about this schedule. Remember they're playing the division they're playing, uh, uh, they're playing a lot of double up games, like the, the, you know, two against the flyers to start things off. And, and because it's a shortened season, we talked about this in baseball as well, because it's a shortened season, uh, every game takes on that much more importance and it's important to start strong. Uh, it's important to build that chemistry if they're looking for chemistry and, um, what, what are your, you know, I'll tell you, Albie, I'm reminded of what I walked out of Bush stadium in St. Louis after the pirates opening series in 2020 and the pirates have won the last game there, but they lost two out of three. And I started doing the math, you know, because that left them with only 57 games. And I'm like, this is going to be really, really hard. You, you just can't afford to fall behind. All right. Remember, it starts next week at Philadelphia, next Wednesday, a week from tonight. Thanks, Dan. Back with our final moments here on Halftime Adjustments right after this. And welcome back for our final moments here on Halftime Adjustments for the week. So we're into 2021. I know a lot of the bad stuff has carried over from 2020 into 2021, Dan, but the good news is we're talking about the Steelers in the playoffs and we're talking about the start of the Penguins. Um, we'll hold baseball in the start of spring training for another time, but those are two very positive things as we start uh, a year that continues with a little bit of turmoil. Yeah. I mean, they, they have found a way professional sports leagues have colleges are struggling more. I think that was to be expected. You're seeing so many postponements between football and basketball, but that was always going to be different. These aren't professionals uh, that are participating in these sports. Um, I, I fear actually for college basketball. I really do the rest of the way here, but not for the pros. Uh, they, they've, they've gotten elite testing. They've gotten all kinds of ways to work through this and around it. And, and I have no doubt that you'll see everything be normal right up to the point where, you know, they're they're injecting everybody with vaccines all right think good thoughts as we move forward in 2021 dan thank you for your thoughts and i agree on college basketball by the way that's it for halftime adjustments for this week i'm albie oxenrider for dan we'll see you next week